Well, good evening, Emmaus Baptist Church and my support system and my fan club. So, uh, the, um, it's, um, it's an honor to be here tonight. I think uh, when Jim introduced me at the beginning, you know, that was kind of impromptu. I really didn't know what he was going to say. I think he probably told you all a lot of that because he probably condensed down. He knows me well enough. Like he said, he's known me for a lot of years. And he condensed down my opening remarks to like 30 seconds. So that was perfect. And that saves, that saves time. Especially if you were here this morning and you heard Cody preach. And Cody, everybody, we were all out of here at like 1130 this morning. So that was, that was pretty cool. So um, it, Jim knows me well enough to know that um, sometimes I can get kind of long-winded. But um, I'm just thankful for this opportunity. Uh, for those of you who I do not know and I have not had the chance to meet, like Jim said, my name is Greg Wagner. Um, and it's just an honor to be here tonight. I am the principal at Whalen Bonds Elementary, which is just down the road over on May. I had the privilege to uh, teach there for about 10 years, and then uh, just like anything, which I'll kind of, kind of, hopefully tie in if I'm not chasing too many rabbits on uh, different things. But um, my wife and I, Candace, and I'll introduce them here in a second. We have just tried to be obedient to where God has called us. And my first initial career, I thought I was going to be a sports broadcaster. That led, then, that, then God changed that and led me into teaching. Um, and I'll kind of explain that journey here in a minute before we get into the message. But, and then I ended up becoming a principal. And then here I stand here at Emmaus Baptist Church tonight. And it's just an honor and it's a privilege. Uh, I do want to introduce a, a lot of my... A lot of my um, support system. Uh, my wife, Candace, is right here. She and I are just about to celebrate our 23rd year um, of marriage, and that's on August 1st coming up. And we have four amazing kiddos. Madeline is a sophomore at Mid-America uh, Christian University, just over by Early Wine Golf Course, and um, she's saved. And Emma Wagner is going to be a high school senior this year at Community Christian in Norman, Oklahoma, and she's saved. And Caden is going to be a seventh grader, my little mini-me, um, and he'll be at Community Christian this year in Norman, and guess what? He's saved. And then Ty, uh, Ty is a fourth grader this upcoming year at Whalen Bonds Elementary, and as of a month ago, Ty Wagner, he saved. And I tell you that, not even, that's not even in the notes. But I tell you that because, man, as a mama and a dad and as a support system, and that's what we go for. And I'm just so thankful for the people that are sitting out here. My mom and dad are here. Um, when I grew up, I was an only child. I didn't uh, attend church a lot. We didn't go a lot. Um, but I did know who Jesus was. Uh, I wasn't saved, but I did know who he was. And I had these great people that were around us. Um, crazy enough, my other mom and dad, my second mom and dad, my adopted mom and dad are sitting right here, Mike and Pat Harper. And that relationship started with playing sports. And Mike became a baseball coach, basketball coach, and things like that. But not only was Mike and Pat my other mom and dad, and their son Jason was my best friend, there was just this innate spirituality about them. And it kept drawing me closer to church, 
but I never went to church. And Jason, their son, kept inviting me to different things, inviting me to different things, inviting me to different things. And finally, if you remember back when they had lock-ins, I don't know if they have lock-ins much anymore, but they were having this lock-in at their church. And I finally said yes, and thank the Lord I did. Because the night that I went, and I went with Jason, I met Candace. And when I met Candace, she, she, she doesn't see it always the same way as I do, but I'm telling you the truth. I knew I was going to marry her when I saw her. And I was just about to be 15. But I knew it. And I still didn't know Jesus. But I knew my best friend Jason. I knew Mike and Pat. I loved the youth director. Man, I liked her a lot. So that kind of brought me in, but what was crazy was the people that were at the church, it wasn't, it became not about Jason, it became not about Candace, it became not about Mike and Pat, it became about the people in the church that saw something in me, and it changed me. And their faith in me to do certain things kept pushing me towards Jesus, and I finally accepted him, just not too long after I'd been at the church. But that forever changed the trajectory of my life. So I tell you that tonight just as kind of a, you know, a short intro to how I got here. And because from that point on, once I accepted Christ, and once Candace and I kept dating, and we ended up getting married, and here we are with four amazing kids, and sometime in our house we have six, sometimes we have five, because we do foster care also, you never know. People ask how many kids we got in our house, sometimes they say four, sometimes they say six, and that's confusing, but it's okay. Um, but I tell you that because God has done amazing things through a lot of people that have invested in me. And I'm just so thankful for them. And then I'm so, so thankful I've got some of my staff here from Bonds and things like that. It's just such, a, such an honor to be here tonight. So um, if you would and you have your Bible or if you have uh, the Bible app on your phone or however you, you know, read the Bible. If you'll flip over to John chapter 1 verse 43. From what I understand... Uh, Pastor Owen has had different people, himself included, going through different disciples. And when Pastor Owen asked me to preach, and I got my night to preach, I opened up the email, and I looked, and the disciple I got was Nathaniel. Now, when I heard, when I saw Nathaniel, I was like, Nathaniel? I was like, I'm going to do some research on that. And so I went and flipped through, and I found Nathaniel. And I've taught a lot of lessons and everything else. But if you've done any kind of Bible reading, you're not going to find Nathaniel very much. He's only in there a couple of times. So my first thought when I told Candace, man, I get to preach on Nathaniel. And Candace was like, Nathaniel? And I was like, yeah, that's what I said. And so I got Nathaniel. But what happened was, is when I looked into it, it's just like God does. He ordains things and he goes before. Because when I show you what I got out of this scripture, it's a lot of things Pastor Jim and I have talked about for a lot of years and a lot of things. We've had a lot of conversations about it just since I've been on staff doing this summer internship. So if you're there with me, uh, John chapter 1, verse 43, and we'll read down to verse 51. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. And now Philip was from Bethsaida. The city of Andrew and Peter, so, two, so these other two disciples have already been called, and now here comes Philip alongside of them. And Philip, knowing that Nathanael was out there, he, Philip went and found Nathanael, and he said to him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and all the prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth. 
the son of Joseph. Now watch what Nathaniel says. Nathaniel said to Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Interesting response for a man that's about to be a disciple. Philip said to him, come and see. And Nathanael said to how, I'm sorry, Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under a fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him and said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree. Do you believe? Yes, you will see greater things than these, young man. That's the Wagner version at the end of it. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Father, I just thank you for this word. I thank you for this chance that we get to study one of your disciples, Lord. God, I just... Thank you for seeing things in us that we don't always know is there. God, even though when we sin, even though when we have doubts, Lord, you're there. And you know our hearts, Lord. So I pray tonight that you'll just reveal this truth to us through your word. Amen. See, tonight I want to talk to you about Nathaniel's response. And he's got this really interesting word that a lot of times we talk about sin in our life and things like that. But one of the things that is often hidden is the prejudices we have stored up in our heart. And it's not something that gets talked about a lot because a lot of times it's a look, a snide remark, things like that. But see, Nathaniel, he had a prejudice. And the prejudice was when Philip said where Jesus was from. Nathaniel answers really interestingly. So I'm going to throw out a couple of words. If I were to um, put my hands up here and say University of Texas, some of you laugh. My brother-in-law, as soon as I did this and he did this, I know what was going on in his mind. I know what his heart was saying underneath. So if you're an OU fan, a TCU fan, Texas A&M fan, if I was standing up here going hook'em horns, some of those prejudices come out. But if I were to drop them, a lot more in the room, you'd have a little bit better stirring. You know, the, other, the, good, the, the good stuff would come out. But if I said something to you like boomer, some of you say sooner, sooner. Others of you that are in, the, in, in, in here and you're Oklahoma State fans or whatever, you're like, uh-huh. okay? If I were to say, go Pokes, the Sooner fans in the room, they have a different response. But if I said you were a cat person, a dog person, dog lover, cat lover, see, when I say those words, words have power. And a lot of times those power come from the prejudices or the thoughts that we have in our mind. And those are all fun. Those are all good. You know, I just, I throw out words like that. But if, what if I threw out the word divorce? What if I threw out the word drug addict? 
What if I said, your coworker, that's a different religion, a Muslim, a neighbor, that's a Hindu. You see, when we hear those words, a lot of times, if we don't really understand what a prejudice is, they still come out in our mind. We might not say anything, but they come out. And that's where Nathaniel was. If I said something about homelessness, how many of you have driven by someone that was homeless in the last week and you see them standing on the side of the road and stuff like that? See, the thoughts that we have a lot of times are from our prejudice that we have. So a prejudice is a negative attitude. It's a negative emotion a lot of times or a behavior towards an individual or a group of people based on a prejudgment and this is the key part, without prior knowledge or without prior experience. And we do it all the time, myself included. We don't have prior knowledge about what people come from or where they are or what they, what they do and things like that because a lot of times we're not seeing them the way Jesus does. So when we get into the text and we see Nathaniel and uh, Philip comes running to him and he says, we found him. Now keep in mind, Philip is jacked up. Philip is wound up because he has been called. He knows that he is joined into the club now. He is go- he's, the, he's, one, he's like number three in the list. So he goes running to go find another fisherman and that's Nathaniel. And he runs to him and tells him, Nathaniel, we have found him. We have found the one that we have been studying all this time. He's here. It's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel looks at him and says, what? What good can come out of Nazareth? Not, oh my gosh, that's amazing. We found another, we found him. We've been studying all this time. We've spent all this time, effort, everything else. No. His response to Philip is, what good can come out of there? See, there's the prejudice, but there's a reason why. That's the thing. So all of us sit here and we can, we can think, oh, surely that's, you know, maybe that's not me, maybe that's not me, everything else. But here's the thing. I remember the first time that my prejudice was really revealed. We had this, we had this man at um, the church, Mike and Pat, and, you know, several of us that are in here went to. We had this man, and his name was Brother Parker. Okay, Brother Parker, we called him the hugger because every person he saw, he hugged. And every person he saw, they were his best friend. And Brother Parker was one of those persons that could go and he could leave here. If he said, hey, I need you, you, you to come with me across the street to Stone Meadows. We're going to go knock on five people's doors tonight and we're going to introduce them to Jesus. He's the man. And he would. He would go and knock on people's door, and he would share the gospel. I'm telling you, on nights that he would go and do this, I bet the dude consumed 5,000 calories a night. Because every door he knocked on, he was able to disarm the people at the door and share Jesus to them. And they would invite people in. They would invite Parker in. He'd hug them like he's known them forever, but that was him. But see, that didn't scare me. I went with Parker a couple of times and did that. No big deal. I was a little nervous. I thought it was a little strange at first, but man, it was pretty cool. But my prejudice came out with the other ministry that Brother Parker did. See, Brother Parker, um, 
he was really big into prison ministry. And that's where I say my prejudice came out because what good can come out of Nazareth? My thought as a 20-year-old kid, <clears throat> what good can come out of a prisoner? I'm thankful for Brother Parker that he revealed that to me because he came to me and he told me about this young man that he had been working with in prison and he was getting out of prison or got out of prison and he was trying to plug him into our church. This young man's name was Jerry. And the first time I saw Jerry, Jerry looked like a prisoner. Thank you, Mama Pat. Yeah, he did. Jerry looked like a prisoner. And I don't know why. I have no idea. Maybe I watched too, because it wasn't from my parents. But for whatever reason, I had this prejudice on my heart. Brother Parker comes up to me and he says, hey, Greg, there's this guy that I want you to meet. His, his name's Jerry. He, we're, we're trying to get him plugged into the church. Yada, yada, yada. Goes through this spiel. He said, I'd really like for him to get involved in your small group. Now, we were leading a small group um, of college kids and stuff like that. Jerry was a little older than that, but Parker wanted him to get involved with young people in our church. So when he invites me and asks me to do that, I'm looking, I'm like, sure, Parker, if I see him, I will. But in my mind, I'm thinking, no way, Parker, I won't. It's one of those times that, like, if I could, it, like, I'm thinking in my mind, if, if Jerry were to come walking in while me and Parker were having that, I'd have to go to the bathroom. I don't know why those prejudices were there, but they were. So the thing that we get trapped into a lot of time is the prejudice they cut, it, they cut us off from the truth. And that's what was happening to Nathaniel in verse 46. When he said what good could come out of Nazareth, his prejudice was cutting him off from the truth. He was right there, but he was so far. So we don't want to let our prejudice in our heart, we don't want them to affect the relationships that we have, especially when you look at the way Jesus described it in Matthew chapter 27. Verse 37. So when I read it, you're going to know it, and it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is like to it. To love your neighbor as yourself. Man, I was really good at that. I was really good at loving my neighbor as myself when I was 20 years old, as long as they looked like me, they believed like me. They attended church. They were in college. I didn't even know if, if I heard that they were someone that had been divorced or something like that or from a different religion, if that would have even bothered me. But, man, it was awfully hard for me to even think about loving my neighbor when I heard he came from prison. So the second part is, how do, we, how do we have courage? Have courage to find out for yourself the bigger picture, and when you do, Jesus is going to reveal something awesome. So at the end of verse, 30, or at the end of verse 46, Philip said to um, Nathaniel, he didn't say, oh, Nathaniel, stop. He looked at him and said, come and see, like a good friend would do. Nathaniel was, what good could come out of it? Philip says, come and see. Man, Philip was ready. Nathaniel's about to be ready. He's not quite there yet. 
So verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, and he said, Behold an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, there's other people around. And so I don't know if, all, if the other disciples were already there, but I know Philip was. And he sees, Jesus sees Nathanael coming, and he calls him out and says, Look here. Even though this is the man that just said what good can come out of, when Nathanael comes walking up, Jesus says, Look, a true Israelite. And we'll get into what a true Israelite here is in just a second. And he said, and Nathanael said to him, Lord, how do you know me? How do you know me? You don't want to miss the blessing of Jesus because of a lack of understanding or a thought that he can't see you because your sin and your prejudice are there. You see, in, in, in Jewish culture back then, um, the reason Jesus says a true Israelite is because Nathanael was a true Israelite. You see, he studied the book of the law. He knew the book of the law. He knew the prophets. He knew everything that was coming in a Messiah. He just could not believe that he would come out of Nazareth. And we, don't, we go study, like if we're going to go study a lesson or something like that, we may go to a back room or something like that. But a true Israelite would go, and he would go study under a fig tree. That was the place that he would go to be in solitude and quiet and study and know the book of the law backwards and forwards. So when the Messiah did come, he'd be able to recognize it instantaneously. So Jesus calls him a true Israelite, and so Nathaniel looks at him and says, how do you, how do you know me in Jesus sees the bigger picture. You see, Jesus sees not Nathaniel's prejudice. He sees Nathaniel for who he is. One of his chosen 12. One of the true Israelites that has studied and is prepared and he is ready. See, and Nathaniel had these prejudices in his heart because Nathaniel was from a few miles down the road. He was like, like from here to Norman, like in Cana. And it's only a few miles down the road, but those people in that town saw the, Nazareth, the, the people of Nazareth in a very, very different light. Because there was a Roman, they, they viewed them as sympathetic to Rome. Because there was a Roman garrison army there. They saw them as somebody that had different morals and values. They didn't study the law as much. And so being a true Israelite like Nathaniel, he saw and heard and thought through the things that he heard and maybe some of his experiences that nothing good could come out of there, especially not the Messiah. And like I said, with Jerry, I was there. So Parker, he talks to me about inviting Jerry to a small group, and I kind of blew that off. And then the second time, a couple weeks later, Brother Parker comes to me, and he says, Greg, I've been really working, this is on a Sunday morning, he goes, I've been really working on Jerry. And he goes, he really wants to get involved. And we're getting him in stuff, but I really need to get him involved in other stuff. He goes, from what I understand, I think he's pretty athletic. And I think he does a lot of stuff. He goes, don't you play church softball? And I said, well, yeah, Parker, I do. And, and, and I was, but I, as soon as I said that, I knew where it was going. And Parker goes, well, when do you play? And I said, well, how many of you are from more from a long time? Any of y'all from here for a long time? So there, there used to be Fairmore Park. Now it's a nice, bigger Fairmore Park. But back then, they had these two glorious softball fields. And man, it was awesome. I spent the better half of about 15 years, and my brother-in-law, Harv, and Mike, and some of you others, at these church softball fields all the time. 
Monday night was men's co-ed, or was men's competitive. Tuesday night was co-ed, competitive. Wednesday night, we didn't have it because it was church night. And the people that ran Fairmore Park and did it, they were great Christian people. Thursday night, man, it was competitive again. And then Friday night, it was rec league. So four nights out of the week, there were men and women from all over the community, from as far away as Edmond to Shawnee, Norman, everywhere, getting together to play church softball. It's a great time of fellowship. Great time to draw somebody in, right? Not for me. See, Parker goes, don't you play softball? I'm like, yeah. And I said, and he goes, well, what nights do you play? So I tell him those nights. And I said, well, Tuesday night, I said, it's Monday night's competitive. Tuesday night is co-ed. And I said, we're, we're already full. Wednesday night, we don't have it. Thursday night's competitive. I said, maybe Friday. And Parker goes, I think he works on Friday night. And he said, but I bet he could come tomorrow. And I look, looked at Parker and I was like, well, I don't, I don't even know what time we played in our, tomorrow night, Brother Parker. And I look at my buddy that's standing there and I said, do you know what time we play tomorrow night? And my buddy's standing there, oblivious, not prejudiced at all, doesn't even know who this Jerry guy is, looks at me and goes, 6.30, 8.30. Thank you. And I go, 6.30, 8.30 is, Parker. And he goes, well, if you see Jerry, will you invite him to come play? Even if he just comes and hangs out with you guys. I'm like, sure, Parker, I'll do it. Well, as God would ordain, I go home, I go to eat lunch with my mother-in-law, Candace, we go to Taco Bueno, probably, back then. And we go to, thank you, we go to Taco Bueno, and it's church on Sunday night. Service is over. I turn, and I'm walking out. We're walking out the car, probably college and career. We're going somewhere, maybe go to a movie or something. And guess who walks out with me? Jerry. He's right there. So Jerry and I walk out to the parking lot, and Jerry brings it up. And he says, Greg, he goes, I hear there's, there's church softball. Parker said something about me playing with you guys. And I said, oh, he did, did he? And he goes, he, goes, he did. And I said, Jerry, we play tomorrow night at, at 6.30 and 8.30. He goes, he goes, do you mind if I come and play? I said, absolutely. I said, that's fine. I said, I think we've got 10 already, but I can hit 11, no problem. Why don't you come on out? Jerry walks off, probably skipped off or ran off. I turn and I walk away and I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, this is going to be, I don't know what I'm scared of. I don't. I don't know why this prejudice in my heart, but I can remember those thoughts and they were 26 years ago. But see, when you recognize your prejudices, you can confess them and you can move past them. And that's what we get to. You see, Nathaniel said to Jesus, how do you know me? And Jesus said, before Philip called you, when you were under a fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel looked at him and confessed. And he said, he said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him and said, Because you saw, and I saw, because, you, because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree, do you believe? You will see far greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven's gates open, and the angels of God descending and ascending, upon the Son of Man. You see, when we confess who Jesus is and we recognize him, it's like those scales get lifted and pulled away. See, Philip didn't take no for an answer. When Nathaniel said, what good can come out, Philip said, come and see. And Nathaniel came and saw. 
And when, re, when Jesus revealed to Nathanael who he was and what he saw, Nathanael believed. And that's how Jesus sees all of us. He sees us who, for who we are. And he uses people that are around us to pull us into who he is so we can see it. And Nathanael was amazed that Jesus knew him and he saw him. And though he had these prejudices in his heart, they revealed to him, man, brother, you ain't seen nothing yet. If you think it's cool that I saw you underneath that fig tree, just wait till you see what I can do. Just wait till you see what's going to happen next. You know, we teach kids a lot of times, like at the end of this verse, it's talking about this ladder and this bridge going, you know, in, in this, this picture of going up and down the gate or up and down this ladder, you know, to heaven and earth. But we, we work with kids anymore, and it's this great picture of, our, of God here and us here in this big chasm of sin, our prejudice, you know, the things that we think, the things that we say, do, all these things is this big chasm in between. And we teach it to kids that Jesus took that cross, and he took all of our sin and everything else, and he came and it, he just he slammed it down. And he made this bridge across to where we can go from where we're at in our sin to him. And it's because of that cross. And it's because of what Jesus was able to do, and it's how he was able to talk, and how, it was how he was able to see Philip, and how he was able to see Nathaniel, even through Nathaniel's prejudice, and say, man, it's okay. You're a true Israelite. Come and follow me. If you think you've seen this, just wait. It's not going to be pretty. But it's going to be awesome. Before I get to the end of the story of Jesus, or the, the story with Jerry, um, I want you to think about, if you know the story of the woman at the well. And you think about that time where there's this woman and she's sitting in John chapter 4, verse 25, and she says to Jesus, she said, I know that Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak with you am he. And when you look at that picture and you think about where Jesus was sitting with the Samaritan woman, the easiest route to where he was going to go but the hardest route for a Jewish person and a Samaritan person to meet together, especially a Samaritan woman that Jesus calls out for having five husbands and working on the sixth. He's there. And that woman looks at him and is like, it's this great, beautiful picture of, you shouldn't even be talking to me. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. But Jesus doesn't see it that way. Jesus sees the woman's heart. Jesus has this amazing picture with her, and he reveals himself to her, and she goes. And when she skips by the disciples that were coming back from the town, she goes and tells people in her town who he is and what just happened. And when she does, 
the whole town ends up inviting him to stay, and half the town gets saved. Why? Because Jesus doesn't see the prejudice. He doesn't always see the sin. He doesn't, he doesn't always, he doesn't look past it, but he calls it out. And he has us confess it so we can know him, so we can trust in him. So when I finish up and close here tonight, I wanted to tell you that let's not get caught up like most of Israel or most of the people in our community or ourselves. Let's not get caught up in our prejudice and let us cut us off from the truth. And that's who, that Jesus sees us who, who we are, what he's created us to be. Let's not let our prejudice blind us from the way that Jesus sees us. We need to see others the way that he does. We are his creation, and every one of us has a purpose. He created Jerry for a purpose. Jerry came to softball that Monday night. He comes walking down out of the parking lot. When he comes walking down, um, I can still see Jerry pretty, pretty clearly, and I haven't seen him in 20 years. First time I ever saw him coming to softball, he has on these blue sweatpants that are about two sizes too big, at least. These white New Balance tennis shoes that I don't even know if they had shoelaces. This big old trap of a glove that was bigger than an outfielder's glove. And those of you who are baseball fans, you know what I'm talking about. He has on a white shirt with a duct tape number on the back of it. And he comes down and I introduce him to some of the guys. And those prejudices are still there. Man, all the things that I'm thinking are being revealed and I don't even know what they are. I'm just a 20-year-old kid trying to lead a competitive softball team and I've got a guy that's just gotten out of prison. What am I worried about, right? So we get into the game. We got 10 guys, I'm sorry, 11 guys. 10 can play in the field. The 11th can't. Jerry's the 11th but he can hit. So I put him in 11 hole in the lineup. We've gone through a couple of innings. We come to Jerry's turn at bat. I'm standing down at first base, down the first base line, and I'm standing there, and I'm talking to the guy because we see each other, you know, all the time, the first baseman for the other team, and we're talking. Jerry comes up, very first pitch, bloop, right over the left, or right over the shortstop's head out into left field. So, if you played softball or in baseball for more than 30 seconds or you've even watched a game, you know a ball that goes out to left field and it's hit softly out to left and it's going to the left fielder? It's just an easy stand-up single. That's all you got to do, right? Not for Jerry. I'm standing at first base, and by the time the left fielder picks up the ball, Jerry has already passed me at first base and is chugging towards second. And he is running his heart's content towards second base, and he is fast. He, Parker had it right. He's athletic. He's chugging towards second base, and I'm like, what's going on? The left fielder's thinking what's going on because when he comes up with the ball and he looks up and a guy's going to second, and even though it's, men's, it's church softball, and he looks up, and the guy looks up, and he panics, and he overthrows the second baseman. And the ball goes, goes over the second baseman's head, in between first, in between the right fielder, and is rolling towards the fence down the right field line. And Jerry's still chugging. Now, I don't know if Jerry, when he swung the bat, even if he would have grounded the ball back to the pitcher, he was going to get it inside the ballpark home run. I have no idea. But let me just tell you, Jerry was on fire. And he hit third base about the time the right fielder picked up the ball, and he was home 
just about the time the right fielder was throwing the ball. But that didn't matter to Jerry. It wasn't a close play at the plate. It wasn't even a play at the plate. And Jerry goes diving into home base. And it's Fairmore Park if you were ever out there. And let me just tell you, they drug the fields about once every six years. And then just dirt comes flying up in the air. And here comes Jerry out of the dirt. Blue windsuit pants. White shirt with a duct tape number. Hair down to here in a ponytail. And he comes up out of the dirt. And he is on fire. The dugout is on fire. They are wound up, and I'm standing down there at first base, and I look at the guy playing first base for the other team, and I looked at him, and he looked at me and goes, who's that guy? I said, he's new, and he goes, you think? And I said, and I was like, it was, it was awesome. But when Jerry came out of the dirt, guys, I saw Jerry in a different light. I saw Jerry, just like Parker had explained, somebody that was on fire for Jesus, but also Somebody was on fire just to be out of prison. About three weeks later, I'll end with this. Jerry and me, uh, Jerry and I, sorry, my English ain't so good sometimes. Jerry and I were sitting out in the parking lot at the same softball field, um, first state softball tournament. And Jerry drove this, um, I don't even remember what it was, it was a little blue beat up car. About the same color as his sweatpants that first day I saw him. My truck was parked there next to him, and me and him and a couple other buddies of, of ours at the time already, after three weeks, were sitting there. And I looked at Jerry, and I said, dude, this is awesome. And I said, you don't even know what I thought about you the first time I saw you. And he goes, oh, I'm sure. And he said, you would have been right to think about it. And I said, no, I wouldn't have. And I confessed my prejudice to Jerry that day. And Jerry, of course, granted me forgiveness, said, dude, he goes, I've messed up. He said, I did a lot of dumb stuff. And he said, but let me just tell you, Jesus saved me. And it's because of people like Brother Parker. It's because of people like you, even though you felt that way, you still invited me. You see, prejudice, are, they're pretty powerful. Sin's pretty powerful. But when we see people the way Jesus sees them, that overcomes everything. The, um, Candace, Candace told me this. Uh, if you know um, uh, a singer, Lauren Daigle, a couple of years back, Candace um, was listening to her on a podcast. I think it was Annie F. Downs that was, she was with. I can't remember what Candace said, but I do know it was Lauren Daigle. And Lauren Daigle um, had this amazing quote when she was on this podcast. And I've used it, I don't know how many times in the last two or three years with my staff, with my office staff, with myself. And Lauren Daigle said, I don't judge people based on their reality. I don't. All I do is love them as my neighbor. Man, that's good. Don't judge people based on their reality because we don't live in that reality. But we can love them as our neighbor. God, I just thank you for this night, Lord. God, I just thank you for this word. I thank you for Nathaniel. God, I just thank you for 
the things that were on his heart, Lord. But God, to have a friend like Philip that would call him out and say, come follow, come and see. And for Nathaniel to get up and to come and see, Lord. And for you to reveal yourself to him. And for him to be one of the 12 and to do a mighty work and learn for you, Lord. God, I just pray that we'll do the same. God, I pray that we will just learn from the example of Scripture. Lord, that we'll learn from the example of the people that are in our, excuse me, our community. Lord, that are doing amazing things. Lord, I just pray that we will just reach out to our community, Lord. Not judge them and criticize them and condemn them, Lord. But God, help them to know you. Jesus, I just thank you for this time. God, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this church, and I thank you for the ones here that can hear this word tonight, Lord. God, I love you, and I just thank you for the blessings that you've given us. I ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen.